Hello and welcome to another episode of Tapeheads. This is a very special episode. I am Todd in Portland. And I am Blaine in Portland. In Portland! Yes. Visiting. It's Christmas time. So we are uh, taking the opportunity to do a show. I'm not visiting him for Christmas. I'm visiting family for Christmas. No, thank you for clarifying. Okay, and there you go. It's fine. It'd be fine if you were visiting me, but you're going. Where are you going for? Uh, I'm going up to Mount Hood. Although this is in the middle of uh, the end of January, so I guess I already went. You already went. <laughs> As we're recording this, yeah, you've got a lot of plans, and I have a bunch coming up too. Yes, and today we're going to talk about a couple different things. We're going to talk about the song Voices Carry by Till Tuesday. Yes. Very excited. Featuring Amy Mann, one of my big favorites. Yeah. Um, I am not the most... I don't really care for women singers that much. <laughs> um, and I don't I don't know why that is. It's not... I, I, I love this song we're going to talk about. I love lots of other songs that women sing, but I... Uh, I, I'm, I'm normally, I, for some reason, I don't care that much about women singers, but yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I think you're missing the boat on that one. I've told you that before. Like, yeah, I know. There's just so much great music. It's like, who cares who sings it? Like, there's a million people out there. It's like saying you don't like salsa or hummus or something. Like, there's okay, you don't like that one brand. Try somebody else. <laughs> no, I get it, but I mean, it's and it's not anything that I think about. It's just a, you know, I don't like polka music either no that makes perfect sense i don't either (laughs) (laughs) i totally get that (laughs) anyway so today we're going to talk about the song till tuesday uh by um excuse me the song voices carry by till tuesday and the lead singer okay can i just tell a little story real quick sure we this came about very quickly (laughs) this uh, today's session like this was not really planned we went to lunch and had a burger we're like man we should do a show like okay we're both here let's do it all right what song are we gonna do and we're sitting there at lunch discussing what we could do and what movie to talk about and all that and then we came home we had to set up my desk we have two computers on the desk both of us are sitting here it's totally cool but not the usual level of uh, preparedness and all that that we would normally do right but still gonna be cool and still gonna be great i don't even need to mention that because I mean we're a huge podcast already. So oh yeah, we're going to be we're up we're, and we're, comers. We're rocking it already. All right, till Tuesday. Voices carry. So this song is till Tuesday. I couldn't tell you who the other members of this band is, but I know who Amy Mann is. Yeah, and not because of this band. I know her from you know some of her solo work and being. <laughs> Which you don't know. <laughs> I do. I know a lot of her solo. Okay. Right? Tons right. of it. I okay. mean, <laughs> certainly probably not as much as you do, but you know, I know All right. stuff from Magnolia. And, yes. And then the I, I love her husband. Yeah. I mean, not in that way. I love her husband's music. Yeah, well, she's got a ton of solo albums, and they're all fantastic. She's still out there doing it. She's done a little acting in Portlandia. She's been on... Oh, she was in uh, Big Lebowski. She was one of the nihilists who believe in nothing. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, who's she married to? <laughs> Michael Penn. And he's an excellent artist. Yes. Um, if you ever get a chance to listen to his stuff, he's got some great albums. Yeah, we could do a song. A and and we're too. not even just talking about that song, was it March? Yeah. Or was that the name of the that album? A, that was the album. Yeah. What was the name of the song? No Myth. Yeah, No Myth. He's got a bunch of solo albums, too. And also was in one of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies, Boogie Nights. Right. <laughs> and was also the brother of Chris Penn. Yes. And Sean? 
and Sean, yes, yes, same same brothers. One was an actor, one was an actor, and one was a musician. Sometimes an actor. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then, what's the John Bryan connection? The John Bryan connection is that he and Buddy Judge and who was the other guy in the Grays? Uh, not Jason Faulkner. Yeah. Uh, McCannell. Dan McCann. Dan McCannell. McConnell. Dan McConnell. Okay. Anyway, those okay. three guys minus Jason Faulkner were the last touring band of Till Tuesday, when they were still based in Boston, and that's when that's where John Bryan was working and living in a studio there. Oh wow. And so he and Amy Mann started dating, and that's the connection. That's where. He started working on her solo albums, and that's where he got his real start. And then they all moved out to L.A., and they became the last touring Till Tuesday, and then it became the Grays after Till Tuesday broke up. And it just and then John Bryan has become, you know, who he is. Right. Doing all I the soundtracks know. and everything, and solo album and production with Fiona, Apple, and Amy, obviously, and tons of other people, including Kanye West. Even. He's got an album with Kanye. Yeah, so John Bryan is not a name that most uh, music fans are going to know at all. But he is a great musician and great songwriter. And uh, that's kind of where we know him from. Yeah, he's my favorite musician. I mean, for me, there's the Beatles and there's everybody else. And at the top of the everybody else list is John Bryan. So, here you go. He's a multi-instrumentalist genius. And uh, he's done many, many movie soundtracks. You've probably seen him and you don't even know it. And more recently, he's done like Lady Bird. I mean, we've talked. We're talking about <laughs> yeah. Amy Mann, <laughs> but that's a good that's a good uh, tangent to go on for sure. Voices Carry is written as a song about a relationship where it's kind of one-sided and the man is kind of in control and she's falling in love with this man and he's telling her to be quiet about it. Don't I don't want people to know that this is going on. And throughout the whole song he's saying, keep it down, Voices Carry, hush, hush, hush. But then later in the song... He's saying, shut up. So the the relationship is kind of getting a little more toxic. No, it's taking a turn. Yeah. And um, the video that was released for this, um, she is a musician and she has a boyfriend and he kind of thinks of her being a musician as kind of a just a lark or just kind of a, you know, she's just doing this, but it's not really anything to be serious about. And finally, he keeps telling her to keep her voice down. And finally, at the end, they're in Carnegie Hall watching (laughs) some play. And um, he tells her to keep it down, keep it down. And uh, finally, she gets mad and gets her guts up and she starts yelling She's yelling the chorus of the song in, oh, in okay. Carnegie Hall. Okay. And that's how the, how this video ends. But the cool. guy who plays um, her boyfriend, Coley Holland, uh, was in this video, and he died six years later of uh, AIDS. Hmm. Was he known for something else besides this? Who Was he? That I don't know. Okay. Well, I guess we didn't have any time to do any research. There's one of the things. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
Uh, Till Tuesday is a band from Boston. And do you know anything about the the members? Because the, the members when this was out was not Buddy right. Judge and no, John and it Bryan. Was not. And... I don't know the other band members because I think there was a rotating cast, certainly for the albums and on tour. So it's like never really the same until that sort of core group that John joined for the last incarnation of it. And even that was only touring band. That was only a couple of years after this came out. That was like... What was this, 86, 87? That 86. Was, yeah, this was 80. No, 85, excuse me, 85. Okay. Then the last version of it would have been 87, 88, and then they moved out to Los Angeles after that. So I don't think they have another album after this. Might be wrong, but I don't think so. Certainly this is their only hit. They were a one-hit wonder band. Right. And they were kind of trying to milk it as long as they could to try to... And this song was a top 10 hit. It got up to number eight. Oh, cool. And they also got uh, Best New Artist mm. at the MTV Music Awards, which, what does that mean? I don't know. But <laughs> Not much these days, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, they don't even play music videos anymore. Yeah. So anything else you can tell us about this song? No, I was setting up this session. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to even listen to it. I sure love it, though. Well, I've got like an acapella version oh, nice. of Amy Mann and her singing this song. In the dark, I like to read its mind. But I'm frightened of the things I might find. It's funny and amazing to hear her voice soloed like this and how different her voice was back then. Like it's very throaty, it's not deep at all. Like she almost sounds disconnected from her body in a certain way. Like, I can't help but wonder if one of the things she has talked about quite a bit is some of the, one of the things that really changed her life is that she started going to therapy. Not long after this, she had a she joined a she was signed to a record label, and it went horribly wrong, and it was very traumatic for her. And she wanted to kind of reimagine her life and her career and take control of it in a new way. And part of that process was that she went to therapy for a long time, and I suspect that part of that process is what made her voice change because she actually found her voice. That's not this voice. It's her deeper sort of real self voice in her later albums, certainly starting around the Magnolia times, which was mid-90s. Well, and the other thing about this time is most people don't know Amy Mann was a Jedi Padawan learner. Hmm. She had a, one of those rat tails like the Padawans had, like <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi had, and then uh, Anakin had the long... Jedi rat tail she has in this song at this time. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, that's great. That's some good research right there. <laughs> One of the funny things about this song is she had written it from a man's point of view about a relationship where it was the woman who was telling her to keep it, to keep to telling him to keep it down now. And the record company Epic thought that it was about a lesbian <laughs> relationship. <laughs> and so they had her change. Different times. Yeah, they had her change the way that it was written. So she wrote it as a first person, as a woman with a man, so that it didn't seem kind of weird having a woman sing it. Hmm. Well, she she plays with that 
from the songwriting point of view, also in other songs. She's got a song called Guys Like Me. I think it's from Lost in Space. But it's not, you know, guys like me because I'm so pretty or whatever. It's like she's the guy. And, like, guys like me expect women to treat them in a certain way, and they don't. So, yeah, she's, she, likes to, she likes to mess with that. Anyway, so if you remember the song, uh, as a matter of fact, the the lyrics for this song are keep it down uh well it's hush hush keep it down now voices carry and i as a kid always thought so this was in 85 how old would i have been 14, 14. years old i always thought it was uh even downtown voices carry <laughs> even downtown voices <laughs> carry yeah that's what i thought it was <laughs> And back then, we didn't have the internet where you could look up the lyrics. And I, uh, you know what? I had, actually, my friend Russ had the tape of this album. Oh, wow. And I, I don't know if the lyrics were on that. I certainly didn't look at that. But that's where, <laughs> where you would learn the lyrics is on the albums. Back then, we didn't have uh, 10 million places on the internet to get the lyrics. And I obviously thought that it was wrong or thought it wrong. Well, and you also didn't know that you were going to be talking about it almost 30 years later. You'd have to know what it was, so. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, if, I were to, if I would have known. I, I didn't even know I was going to talk about this song two hours ago. Today, yeah. <laughs> when you got up this morning at 2 o'clock. But I did know the new, new ver. I did know the real lyrics for, I have for years. I'm not that stupid. <laughs> anyway, so uh, great song. You get a chance. Uh, if you haven't heard it, it's kind of weird. But uh, I would I would take a chance to listen. And have you listened to the album itself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's and how's solid. the album? I mean, it's solid. It's like I don't have the vinyl record. I've been looking for it, but yeah, all the songs are solid. Yeah, it's consistent. You can listen. To, it's one of those bands you can listen to straight through. Yeah, the songs are great. She's a great, great song. songwriter. Yeah, she's up there. My two favorite songwriters are her and Neil Finn from Crowded House. We'll definitely be putting him on the list. But yeah, they're both. I mean, you can, you can, all their songwriting is just top notch. Even back then, even when she was young, she was, I mean, they were both, both of those two were kind of fully formed from the head of Zeus or whatever. I mean, who, <laughs> just blessed with the gift. Who would think about having your Catherine wheels on? He was thinking about that. Well, I know. Yeah. But who would? He would. Do you know what a Catherine wheel is? I don't. I know that's a song by Crowded House, but I don't know what a Catherine uh, wheel is. It's a form of torture. They, it was a wheel and they would put the people on this thing and their hands would hang <laughs> off the top of the wheel and their feet on the bottom of the wheel and then they would roll it down a hill. Just mean. That's cool. <laughs> different, again, different times. <laughs> well, they didn't do that in the, in the, in the 70s. Not in the 80s. 80s, I mean. <laughs> Maybe the 1580s. Yeah, another worthwhile rabbit hole to go go down is the Magnolia story of how that came to be because Paul Thomas Anderson, the director of that, liked her music so much that he wanted, he wrote the, the film around the lyrics to her songs. And when he mixed the... If you watch the movie, there are sometimes in a scene where there is music that would be normally in the background that is actually overtaking the dialogue of the actors. So it forces you to listen to the song instead of the dialogue of the film, because the song is the real crux of the scene. 
I'll play here. You're talking about her voice being different. Yeah. Um, oh, do save me. Oh, okay. That's her big hit. So this is the song Save Me from Magnolia Soundtrack. You look like You can already hear how different her voice is. It's sort of lower and just more full. More, yeah, more full and more almost more conscious in a way. Well, and the other thing is, when singers are young, they sing with just the way they want to sing, where they haven't really learned how to sing, right. because your voice right. changes. You learn to sing with your head voice, your throat voice, and your chest voice. And when you learn to sing with your chest voice and your head voice, to you know, so you can sing longer and not sing for eight minutes or whatever. She, and that's probably part of it. She learned how to sing, and she's older. Right. Yeah, and it was all kind of part of the process. I don't know if she took vocal lessons. I don't think she did. I think it was just therapy and becoming connected to her body. Well, most, most singers do take vocal lessons, mm-hmm. professional singers. Mm-hmm. Except for uh, Vanilla Ice. I don't think he ever did. Sting, I don't think he did. He blew his vocal cords out. Remember what's that movie where there's a documentary, a police documentary, where he had to go to the doctor because he couldn't sing. Hmm. <laughs> and then he had to go back yeah, later, see, in, the, later Sting, in the documentary. Sting sings through his, uh, his uh, throat. Oh, his throat. Yeah. Maybe he needs therapy. Well, but I saw him play live and he sang a whole police thing. And I mean, who knows what happened after that, but... Maybe they changed the keys of the songs, too. I don't know. I wasn't there. So the movie we wanted to talk about this week is the movie Better Off Dead with... Oh, again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I might leave that in. That was funny. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. The movie we wanted to talk about. Oh, hilarious. Okay. I might leave in that little bit. That was really good. So the movie oh, we wanted man. to talk the movie we wanted to talk about this week is <laughs> Star Trek Four. The Voyage Home. Oh, you know what? I think about that. I was didn't even think about that when we were talking about talking about doing this movie today. Uh, this is the Star Trek movie where they go back in time to San Francisco in '86. Yes. Yeah, I think that's when this movie came out. Something like that. And again, this is another movie that was out at the theater when I was working at the movie theater. Yeah, we talked about this in Princess Bride episode. We talked about Star Trek Four. No, we talked. Oh, okay. We talked about you working in yeah. the theater. Yeah. So the um. When we were talking about Princess Bride in the the previous episode, uh, I worked at a movie theater, and this movie came out. And again, this was also in the biggest uh, theater in in town as well. So this we they knew it was going to be a big movie, but yeah. I was certainly not a Star Trek fan at all. 
I think I had watched part of Star Trek the Motion Picture and thought that that was a piece of junk. <laughs> I still kind of think that, but I do love the Star Trek movies. But anyway, this movie came out, and uh, I didn't know any of the story about why they were in uh, a different spaceship. And they went back to start to uh, San Francisco in the '80s, and it was so funny. Them walking around downtown, learning the cuss words like "double dumbass" on you. And these are not the hell your whales. <laughs> they like you very much, but they are not the hell your whales. I, I suppose they've told you that, huh? The hell they did. Had a little bit too much LDS in the 60s. <laughs> Very little point am I trying to explain. Well, yeah, I'll buy that. What about him? Him? He's harmless. Back in the 60s, he was part of the free speech movement at Berkeley. I think he did a little too much LDS. LDS? Mm. Oh, it's so good. That's probably, that's probably my favorite of the Star, it Star is, Trek It movies. is my favorite ones. I do like 2, 3, and... Six. Six, yeah. I, five is okay, but yeah, four is my my favorite, and it's not even really a Star Trek movie as much as it's just it's a comedy. But uh, yeah, a lot of the fans seem to not like it. That's weird. Yeah, because it's just it doesn't have the same kind of gravitas as some of the other ones, and some of the it's just more yeah, like it's more fun, and Star Wars isn't or Star Trek isn't supposed to be fun. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is fun, and they go back in time, and they gotta pick up some whales. Some humpback whales, because there was a probe from some distant planet that came to Earth to find out why there was no more whales. Yeah, it emitted a sound, and it would pick up. That sounded kind of like whale song, and the whales could understand it, and they would sing, and it would pick that up. And it was like a really huge ding-dong or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is ding-dong. Ding-dongs are the flat round ones, right? You might be thinking of a oh, ho-ho. Yeah. It was, a, it was like a really huge ho-ho, and it looked like it had had uh, uh, um, aluminum foil around it, so it looked like a ho-ho. <laughs> they used to wrap ho-hos in aluminum foil or some kind of aluminum foil. Yeah, so this, this probe would send out a, a call, and the whales would answer, and it would pick it up. And so at some point, the whales all died off, and this probe came to Earth looking for its whales. And so the Star and they Trek, aren't the hell your whales. They're not the hell my whales. But... The Star Trek crew had to go back in time and find some whales and bring them to the craft, and so the craft could go back and okay, everything's all right. And they and they, they the people that wrote this film did an excellent job. They had Doc went to a hospital and had to save um, Chekhov, who had fallen and hit his head, and they were going to perform surgery on his head and. Of course, he's he has I don't know how many more years of experience of of medical stuff and all these little gadgets and stuff to do things. And he gives this woman a pill and she grows a new kidney. And um, <laughs> anyway, so he goes to the hospital and 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 does his thing. And then the chief engineer goes to a uh, plexiglass manufacturer and teaches him how to build um, transparent aluminum. There you go, transparent aluminum, and they have a computer and and <laughs> and he he doesn't know about a keyboard and he picks up the mouse and talks into it and goes computer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, use the keyboard. And and uh, so he gives this guy uh, the formula for transparent aluminum and and uh, who was with him? Uh, it could have been. Uh, Doc, I don't. I thought it was Doc. Yeah, and Doc's like, yeah, can we really give this guy this? And he's, well, how do we know he didn't invent the thing? 
There you go. So anyway, so yeah, so the engineer goes to to some place that uh, is making trans or uh, plexiglass and teaches him how to make transparent aluminum and um, what else happened in this? Of course, Spock and Captain Kirk go to the uh, Cetaceous. Was it the inst- Cetacean Institute? Cetacean yeah, yeah. Institute, the, the, the Monterey Aquarium. Yeah, in real life. Yeah, and they. This is where they get the whales. They're going to get the whales, and Spock jumps in the water and mind melds with the whale and <laughs> finds out that the one is pregnant, and just such a funny, funny movie, and it, it's got the all of the science fiction you'd want in it, plus just, just hilarity. Commander Pavel Chekhov, Starfleet. United Federation of Planets. All right, Commander. Is there anything you want to tell us? Like what? Like who you really are and what you're doing here and what these these things here are. I am Pavel Chekhov, a commander in Starfleet, United Federation of Planets, service number 656-5827B. All right. Let's take it from the top. The top of what? Name. My name? No, my name. I do not know your name. You play games with me, mister, and you're through. I am? May I go now? Have you seen any of uh, Star Trek Picard, the new series on... Uh, no, I have brand not. There's an, in the, one of the newer seasons of it, there is an homage to... There's a lot of references to, like, especially Star Trek Next Generation, of course. But also, there's a whole episode pretty much devoted to Star Trek Four. There's a scene on a bus with a guy playing that punk rock song on his boombox, and then they have to, you know, knock him out, and he falls onto the boombox. He's playing that same song. So it's just like, ah, all right, that was a nice touch. Hmm. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah, so great movie. Um, If you have not seen it, even if you're not a Star Trek fan, if you know a little bit about some of the characters, just a great movie to watch. Yeah, I know. I think this is one of the few that you actually don't have to be a Star Trek fan to enjoy. And I was not a Star Trek fan when I yeah. saw it, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I would say I was at the time. I guess I still am because I've seen Picard and all that other stuff. <laughs> but I, I've if, seen Chips. Yes, you have all six seasons. <laughs> Even the season without John or Larry Wilcox. Well, some would say that's not even the real Chips. Oh, that's getting controversial. Let's not open that can of worms. <laughs> Star Trek for the voyage home, because they had blown up the Enterprise and they had got on one of the Klingon ships, and so this happens on the way home. They have to save the Earth again. Captain Kirk does it. Yay! Enjoy your stay. <laughs> In San Francisco. Anyway, so it's been great today to actually uh, sit at a table with you and do another podcast. We haven't done a podcast in uh, since 1991. Yeah. Or 94. Four, 34. Yeah. It's... <laughs> and more recently than that, it's been, let's see, we did our last one just like a couple of weeks ago. Yes, but we did it uh, 2,000 miles away. Yes. It's cool to be in the same spot. This is probably a pretty rare thing. This may be the only chance, so we got to enjoy it. Yes. So well, we could maybe um, take a vacation somewhere and, and just do a whole bunch of episodes. And we bring all this gear. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next one's going to be from Hawaii, <laughs> somewhere, Iceland or somewhere, you know, interesting. Excellent. All right, well, thanks for joining us today. I am Blaine. 
in Portland. In Portland. And I'm Todd in Portland, signing off. Thanks for listening. You can get in touch with us at tapeheads80 at gmail.com. Find us at Anchor and Apple iTunes. I guess if you're already listening to us, you found us. <laughs> you have but found you can us. Spread the word. <laughs> we do have some previous episodes. We did an episode on um, Hot for Teacher. We did an episode on Do They Know It's Christmas by Band Aid. And we have done an episode on Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. There you go. Go back, listen to them. Some of them are fun. Yeah. Some of them maybe aren't. Actually, I think they all they, are fun. They all are. We're only like four episodes in. So. Yes. This <laughs> is a process. All, all right. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>